So what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do, how you doing? Molo and the Unjani people, how y'all doing? I'm doing fine. I'm feeling wonderful. Today it's a beautiful, glorious, surprisingly warm day in Memphis. Huh. That's weird. Anyway, if y'all are ready for me to start rambling about my life in you've come to the right place because I'm here to ramble, talk your ears off your head, make you chuckle, make you feel a little concerned about my mental health and maybe just maybe spit a little knowledge on what it's like to live in the great city of Memphis, Tennessee. This is Life in 901 and this is the real episode one of season one because the previous thing I posted was a trailer. We'll get to that later though. Anyway, real quick before I get all this hot ass garbagey dumpster fire out of the way let me let you know let me let you in on a little secret sis. come in i want you to come in real close to this i want you to hear me breathing while i say it too hold on so like if you are like me and you want to make a podcast but you're not entirely sure how to make your podcast and sis download anchor from the app store or fuck it go to anchor.fm that's a-n-c-h-o-r dot f-m Because, girl, not only is it free, but you can get a sponsor from Anchor to put yourself out in the world. If you want to feel fabulous in your oats or you just simply want to kiki with your best sis and just talk shit about how you feel or what makes you angry, what makes you happy, what makes you sad, girl, then by all means, download Anchor today and start feeling your oats, hun. With that being said, let's get into the garbage. So I tell my stories to a lot of people. Or at least a lot of my friends. And any one of my friends can attest to me, can attest to say that some of my stories are a bit questionable. And admittedly, I have gotten into some shit with people. (laughs) And that's only because I have made my fair share of really dumbass decisions. I'm young. I can't help it. And I couldn't help it more so back when I was young, young, like 18, 19 years old. But don't worry about how old I am now. Mind your business, don't ask a lady her age. Okay? Okay. So here's my first story. This was circa 2008. I was still in school. I was actually just, actually just getting ready to start high school. This was like the end, no, end of 2008, beginning of 2009. Because I remember this year specifically because I went and got my wisdom teeth removed. And see what had happened was, I really had a crush on this guy. Ooh, bitch, when I tell you I was fiending over him so hardcore and I had personally figured out that I wasn't normal. That meaning I was an excessively large black boy. I had a little bit of twang in my walk. I was very much gay best friend material at a very young age. I did not give a shit. However, I did not come out to my mom about my sexuality until I was 19. Another story for another day, sis. So here's the tea. Me and this guy were really close friends. He was Hispanic. I'm black. Problem is, Hispanic parents, or at least in Memphis, I don't know if it's true for everywhere, but I know for a fact that in Memphis, Hispanic parents don't too much take lightly to having gay children. And that's just a religious thing, because I believe that his folks were Catholic believers, or not I'm pretty sure they were Catholic I know I know that they went to mass once or twice a month 
I don't know how frequently you're supposed to go to mass. I just know that they went to mass once or twice a month. And that was just that. So, he and I had this kind of a undercover secret deal going on. He and I would fool around, fuck around every now and again in exchange that we both keep it on the hush-hush. Because he didn't want his parents to find out and I damn sure didn't want my parents to find out because, honey, that was not it at all. And that's going to lead into something I'm going to talk about later on in the episode. But let's keep it going. So one particular night, we're sitting in his room. I'm laid across the bed on my stomach. He's sitting next to me on his phone. At the time, I believe I had a little flip phone because my mom was like, fuck all that. I'm not spending all that money on a damn cell phone. You're asking this flip phone in the discussion, which is why I don't understand why kids nowadays are getting all these fucking iPhones because, bitch, iPhones are expensive. Girl, it's, my cell phone bill is almost $150 a month, honey. I don't understand why parents would want their children to have these phones. But that's none of my business. I don't pay for this shit, so it has no effect on... Ooh, rude? Rude much? Staring at me like that. Like, you've never seen a black man talk to himself before. Anyway. So we're laying on his bed. Talking. Enjoying each other's company. And we got on the topic of sex. Now, mind you, we were entirely too young to be bumping uglies at any point in time but we had we well we did what we would have defined as sex in the moment because now that i'm older and i've done some shit again another story for another day i can admit that what we were doing was not sex in the slightest it was making out at best second base top of the line at that point because we had not made it to the real nitty-gritty that is gay sex again another story for another day so we're laying there we're talking and he asked me he's like have you ever sucked dick before and of course before that point yes I had I was a little teeny bopper I was bopping real hard real early and so I answered honestly yeah I have I've sucked dick before why and he flat out said how he felt he was like I've never done it before and I want to know how to do it. And so we get into me explaining it. And because I was so awkward then, I was having a hard time just coming out and saying like, you know, when you're sucking dick, you're using mostly your tongue and your lips. You're never using teeth. Anyone who tells you that you use a little bit of teeth is fucking crazy. Because no, no real man is going to enjoy you gnawing on their dick at any given point in time unless they like that now again another story for another day but I've been around men who really do enjoy that sense of abrasion on their nether reasons me personally I can't vibe with the sis I can't do it I'm sorry at me all you want to but that's not my cup of tea so I'm, I'm explaining to him and I'm demonstrating kind of the motions of it all And he asked me, can you show me? I'm thinking, you know, he's going to pull out a toy or something for me to demonstrate on. I was like, sure, I'll show you how to do it. Not thinking of it, why the fuck I was so green, I will never understand. 
Ooh. That's rude ass ducks. Ah, right, shut your ass up. Anyway, I'm sorry. Like, I know I'm weird and I know I'm technically outside recording. So if you hear shit, disregard it. I'm going to react to it, but just ignore me, girl. So anyway, so he, I turn around to put my shit down and I turn back and here he is, dick out, just just sitting on the bed casually with his dick hanging out. And I'm confused uh, naturally because I didn't expect it to happen. And so he's like, I don't have a toy, so can you like demonstrate? And I'm like thinking to myself, oh, bitch, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to rope me in to doing it that way. Okay, fine. So I get on my knees and I proceed to show him what I know, which wasn't much at the time, admittedly, but apparently it was enough. So I'm going to town, doing my thing, oiling him up, if you will, polishing his chrome, for lack of a better term. And as I'm doing this, his dad comes up to the door and is like, Oi, yeah, then I keep. So he panics. Hurries up and yanks his pants up. Damn near took my lips off my face. And he gets up and he goes over. I try to play it cool. I lay back on the bed, pretend like I was on my little flip phone, playing whatever the fuck game is on a flip phone. And his dad looks at me, looks at him, and was like, we need you downstairs. So they go downstairs. I'm hearing them talking. Nothing out of the ordinary or nothing that would inspire any worry out of me, but they go quiet. I'm sitting there trying to be nosy. He comes back upstairs and is like, my mom wanted to know if you wanted to eat dinner, but I told her no, because you already, I said, well, hold on. I don't mind eating dinner. I don't mind eating dinner at all. In fact, I would love whatever she's making. What she's making? He said, carne asada. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'll eat that. I'll eat that right now. Is it done? So he's like, no, it's not done yet, but it's going to be done in a few minutes. If you want to, you can come down and get a plate. I said, bet. So we continued talking because at that point, there was no way I was going to stick his dick back in my mouth because if his dad would have walked in, we'd both be dead. Point blank period. So... We finally hear the call to go down for dinner. We go downstairs. We're sitting at the table. His mom, who's really nice Hispanic woman, love her to pieces. She is amazing, and she can cook her ass off. And if anybody meets me at any point, just know this. I love food. And anyone who can feed me good is a friend. And that's just how that is. Anybody who can't feed me good or gives me food that's gross, I'm throwing hands right then and there. Just to let y'all know. (laughs) So we're downstairs, we're eating, having a good old time. And then the mom was like, hey, Darius, I have to ask, how did you meet my son? And I, before even thinking about it, I was like, oh, your son takes biology with me. He happened to need help with a certain lesson we were doing. I happened to be really good at it. And so we started swapping notes and then we just became friends. Innocent, very innocent. So then the dad asks, 
oh, well, are you guys looking at any girls? You know, are there any girls on your radar that you like? And I, of course, didn't think about it. I was like, oh, I'm not really looking for anybody right now, but I know Miguel is looking at somebody and there's this really nice girl in our class that he likes. He has a real crush on her. And he kind of gave me this side look like, thank you. Again, I wasn't reading the body language that was being exuded. I was just going off of what I knew. I knew he liked this particular girl and that he was looking at her. So our conversation's going fine. You know, everything's going peachy key. So we leave from the dinner. We're going back upstairs, sitting on the bed again. He asked me, so you want to finish? I said, finish what? He's like, finish demonstrating. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I can finish demonstrating. It's no problem. So he pulls down his pants. This time he decided to stand. So he's standing up in front of me. I'm down on my knees going to town on his nether region. I'm trying to suck a ball, a tennis ball through a Capri Sun straw with applesauce wrapped around that bitch. I'm trying to prove a point. And he's clearly getting the point. So I get to the point where he's about to come. I'm enjoying it because now I'm like, look, he's getting aroused. And then, as if the universe had said, fuck this guy specifically. Dad busts in and was like, hey, Miguel, did you? (gasps) I turn around, dick in mouth. Looked up at his dad. His dad looks down at me with this look of horror on his face. Miguel tries to hurry up and pull his pants up and button up. And the dad is just like, just stop. Stop what you're doing. We'll talk about this later. So then the dad goes downstairs. I'm hearing the dad and the mom arguing back and forth. The mom comes upstairs and it's like, Miguelito, Miguelito. Is what your father telling me is true? Miguel looks at me. I looked at him. And in that moment, I realized that I am a piece of shit when it comes to being gay. Because under normal circumstances, the people, normal people rather, would have tried to talk about it. Would have tried to be there. But in that moment I realized we were caught and there was no getting out of this. So (laughs) I politely stood up and left. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell, tell Miguel goodbye. I just left. Never spoke to Miguel again. In fact, I don't think I've actually seen or heard from Miguel since that day. And this has been 12, 13 years now. Anyway, I left. Never made any effort to get back or even to see if his parents were okay with it. I didn't want to risk it because Hispanic parents, homosexuality, Catholicism, and all kinds of other shit were playing a part in this, and I admittedly was terrified. And so I left. <laughs> and it's, it's terrible because, as I stated earlier, there's 
a lot to be figured out about being gay, let alone being gay, ethnic, living in the South, having religious parents, any list of things that could possibly pay, play against you. It's already difficult enough navigating through the territory of being a member of the LGBT community, let alone having all these other aspects of your life pinned against you. And one thing that I didn't learn then that I am so glad that I know now is that it always helps to have someone there to help you. It always helps to have someone there that can guide you and help you learn what you need to know about navigating through such a tumultuous time in life. Most younger gays don't get that luxury, especially black gay boys or black gay girls for that matter, or any person of color who is trying to figure out, you know, the basics of being in the LGBT community as well as being belonging in their own ethnic groups. Because believe it or not, it's not always welcoming. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people get, become ostracized just solely because of their sexuality. Not even because they're good or bad people, but because they are gay, bi, trans, asexual, pansexual, any number of things that isn't a part of the norm in, a, in an ethnic household here in Memphis. And so, years later, I finally got my turn to come out. And admittedly, I was terrified of the idea of coming out because I was worried that I would be ostracized and my mom would disown me, and my dad would disown me, and my family would never speak to me again. It was a lot of shit that was playing a part to why I was so terrified of the idea of coming out. And what wound up being the situation is, it wasn't that I came out, it was the fact that I tried so hard to hide it. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm the luckiest motherfucker in the world, but that within itself, made life so much easier and not a lot of people get that luxury it's unfortunate but it's true because a lot of people who want to come out to their parents or who want to you know make an effort to come out to their, their relatives are scared to because of the reason of ethnic family not being able to properly convey the reason why or even not being able to appropriately come out because of your ethnic upbringing it's unfortunate that it has to be that way but that's just how it is that's how the cookie crumbles and so looking at how things are now versus how things were, say, when I was growing up. Because, honey, back in the 90s, <laughs> girl, no. If you were gay, you were just the same as the relative who was a pedophile, or the rapist, or the criminal, the drug addict. There was something wrong with you mentally back in that era. And it made a lot of us, especially us adults now who grew up in the 90s, it made us a little bit apprehensive about it. But that's not the case now, because nowadays, 
We have children as young as nine and 10 saying that they don't feel right in their gender. And don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna bash any child for how they feel as far as their sexuality, as far as their gender identity is concerned. I just want everyone to know, or at least I want the parents as well as the child to know the risk and payout for the actions that they would take towards that. With that being said, I will say this. If your child comes to you, however old they may be, and they say that, oh, mommy, I feel like a boy, or mommy, I feel like a girl, don't ostracize them. Don't reprimand them for that. Because we live in a time where, truth be told, we live in a time now where there's just as big a risk of being killed by outsiders as there is being killed by your own family. And as unfortunate as that is, that is the risk of being in the LGBT community, especially here in the South. Even though Memphis is like mid-South, it's still the South, sis. And so when a lot of people come into realizing that they are different, in that aspect. Don't treat them like they're sick. Treat them like they're normal fucking human beings and help them, guide them. Don't let them navigate that shit alone because like I've said in a many a different videos and like I've said to a many a different people, that the LGBT community here in Memphis is just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than any other community in America. And that's not saying, that's not putting it up on a pedestal saying, oh, we have to go through, no, sure. It's not that we have to go through a lot to survive. It's just when you have someone so young and so fragile coming into their own sexuality and trying to figure things out, the last thing you want them to do is to go looking for help or guidance. Or better yet, the last thing you want them to do is look for acceptance in strangers. Because strangers will seem appealing at first. They will seem amazing and nice and kind and loving and welcoming. But at the end of the day, not everyone who is kind and welcoming has good intentions. And so with that being said, I love you beautiful people. I hope to see y'all, or rather, I hope that y'all hear me soon. And with that being said, this has been Life in 901. Love you. Be savvy. Have a blessed and flavored day.